I got a well, long ass tenure. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I was going to ask you in the '90s, you really became more uh, prominent on the stage show. Right. right. Um, did that just was that just um, something that was organic or? Um, because I mean, you started doing some of the uh, monologues that George had done, and you know what? I, you know, here's the thing: a lot of monologues are George, and most people assume that that's George. A lot of those monologues are like other people, you know, like uh, Ernie Harris, uh, uh, I what's what's my man's name? Um, I was in Florida, and this is what I love about P-Funk, too. You could be somewhere, right? And you can meet this guy, and he says, well, what are you doing? And you say, oh, I'm with P-Funk. And they say, oh, I got P-Funk history, too. And I'm like, really? What are you done? And almost as I, I tell people now, it shows. If somebody walks up and goes, I'm a... I was there. Do not doubt him, or you'll look real silly at the end of the day. Uh, this guy was was named, I think his name was Ed Sparkman. You know, you know Sparkman. You ever heard? Of it might have been Bill Sparkman. Bill Bill, Bill Sparkman. Sparky. Sparky. You ever heard of Sparky? He was a member of. I don't know. He told me this guy steps to me, and he's a much older guy. That, you know, like my my dad's age. And he goes, "Hello there. My name's Sparkman, and I'm one of the original Funkadelic Gladiators." <laughs> oh, like, oh, okay, cool. Says, "I did the mouth organ." Wah, 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 right. Like, okay, cool. And, and that was my uh, whoa, I hey. So, there's a guy says his name is Spark. Oh, wait a minute. Did he do that? Yeah, that's who did this. Did it. So, you know, you got this thing when you look at this thing and you try to find out which, which one of the five, five or the five, ten it is. And it's, sorry, it's the 11th guy over here that nobody mentioned. And this guy was like, Whoa, hey, he said that he was, he said that uh, he took, he had to pick, he had to pick, I think, Eddie or Billy up for the session. And it was a day that their parents didn't let them come down there. So he had to do the session with George. So, but he's the guy doing the, the I was back out in Manhattan. Yeah. Most most people assume that's George. Because <laughs> everybody wants to be. But George produced that. You know, that's George's production. That's George's everything about it. But George had. Like, which one is George Clinton? Maybe 20% of it. But which, which one is George's creation? More than likely all of it. You know what I mean? Like I watched one piece of your show, and it was it was the sax player. It was Dixon. Yeah. Okay. It was funny because Dixon was concerned that 
his solo, which is like a monumental, like the record is like over the top, and it's like you can't not contest how good this record is. But here's a musician who said, I played all the way through it, and I don't understand why they didn't leave all of it on the thing. Because that's what there's the musician part, not the visionary. Those cats are, you know, some cats are playing music, some guys are just got vision. And I I lean on the visionary and the and the musicians, they they're gonna come like they they're gonna be there, you know. Uh because it's that thing, it's just like being a kid and wondering what what your your which career you're gonna pick? What I'm? What am I gonna be one day? Am I gonna be on the moon? No, I fucking don't want to be on the moon. So no, I don't imagine that any of that. But I do want to be with this set of freaks over here. Not that I want to be in it, because I didn't want to be in it. I actually didn't want to be in it, and I asked not to be in it. And I was told you do that because of. For what I wanted to do, that wasn't going to be available no more because that took gangs of money. I I really was into, I was with P Funk. I was into what they looked like because once I got the fever of doing that kind of stuff, that was just like, wow, you can go anywhere and be, you know, like Slash, Slash, um, Guns N' Roses, Slash. Mm -hmm. His mom is that that visionary who who dressed people, who gave those stars that look. I'm going to be that guy. That was my. I could care less about actually being like the guy who's out there playing a the guitar because that's not what I do. But I was always wanted to be on a team that had you know. And thank God it wasn't like a Broadway team and all that kind of stuff. I wanted to be on something that was that I like. I like being. Part of something that uh, all eyes are against it. It's more fun. Yeah. Well, you seem to feel comfortable enough, though, to be pretty prominent on stage, though, in the 90s and into the 2000s. Yeah. Well, I didn't. Yeah. 80s. That, it kind of started in the age, like, after we did Dog, I think I felt like. Then I felt part of the game because, you know what I mean? Like, I really, like, said my piece. But in the 70s, it was just like, go out there and say, ha! Okay, let's go out there and say. All that cliche yeah. stuff. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you, you, I was, in that one, it was like utility. I was just a utility person. But you know, not that's not that unimportant when you hear that shit back on the radio. You know what I mean? Like I stuff I like, uh, like who would know that one of the coolest parts of a song is like Ron Ford got the headphones on and he's bobbing and we're clapping and we're clapping and he's listening to the song. He's not, and then also he's like. Ugh. It's the loudest thing on the tape. It's the hippest part of the tape. But he wasn't assigned, but he's that kind of guy. And a real soul came out of, you know, I, 
my 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 first wife used to say, you you have to like work with your hey and ho factor because we as listeners, we're listening and we want to be able to say hey, ho. So when that you know when that hip hop parade thing came out, I was like, wow, they got it. They really did get it because this that is what it's all about. Well, that comes from the the house parties. Yeah, I used to go to. Yeah, I mean, you know. Everybody and you dancing, everybody's festive. Hey, and we, I mean, or whatever noise it is that, that we do. I mean, uh, you know, if your if your song makes you say yeah, then that's your funk. Or the woo woo with uh, groove line and that stuff. <laughs> I never could woo woo, man. All this, <laughs> all this kind of like just too many things to do with the hands. Like, is do you remember when? All you had to do was go, hoot, hoot, yeah. hoot, That was like a, first it was kind of cool. You know, you go to somebody's concert and then. Well, eventually it gets tired and cliche and worn out. Thank God. And corny and hokey, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, it's never a good idea to tie too much into that kind of thing. Right, how about that? So, any questions? <laughs> how did how did you how and why did you start getting more into your, your own thing? Uh, why? Um, just for fun, actually, just for fun. I mean, I know I don't know if you have any more, but I do have these things here. You know. So oh right, oh right, oh. I got uh, that one. Right on. And that one. I love that. That one. Funny. Yep. So what you know? What inspired you on those? Uh. I uh, cacophonic. Okay. Cacophonic. Basically, I could go and do Cacophonic Volumes 1 to 99 because, you know, Cacophony is really where I'm at. And, and so I had all of these tapes of things that I, I would go like, well, what about this song? You know, you're in, a, in, in, in the P-Funk world and, and in the industry right now, even more now that it's DIY. People were just bidding tracks. You know what I mean? Like, I got a friend, a guy that works with P-Funk, um, Rob Mandel. I mean, this cat has got a 2 chains hit, and the guy that, you know, the Amigos, I, I don't even know if he met him, but, you know, He's it don't matter. He's like the game. Uh, I was like, who is this guy? You know, yeah. Sure. yeah. Yeah, he did Black and Bougie, you know? So... And it's that kind of thing. Now, is he bidding that? He's found a way to have an agent bid for, for him. But back in the day, it, that meant that everybody had a song coming in the door. What about this? I got one for you. You know, you you become a hack. And I got my, my cacophonic thing was like just loads of stuff that was great ideas that everybody like kind of like didn't respond to it's like well then f you i'm putting it out like this and i feel good about it and i own it straight out and 
I run my company, and no, I don't really need a arm and palladium like the rest of these people who are like having nightmares with this guy. And you know, you know, who knows what that crap's all about? But why should I stand in the line for some self-proclaimed boss when I'm the boss of me? You know, and I just like doing it because I can. I can and you know, it's mine. It's called I get to, you know, flip my wee wee out in the wind, like look at that. And um because that's all it is at the end of the day, you know. Um one time I I, I went for trying to do the record deal, it lasted for one year. I didn't like it after the day after I signed it. Um so I rolled it out and walked around like, hey, I got a record deal. You know, didn't mean shit. So I prefer being doing me. You know, I do me. That's why I'm so uh, that inspiration. Uh, I'm just like any other rosters. I, like I watch people like leave P Funk or have a, have a need to leave P Funk out of anger. I'd rather stay there and just do what I do, you know. And then, you know, if there's a spot like you're gonna you you want to thirty forty people. It's only 10, 12 sides getting on here. Like, so you're not going to be the writer of everything. I've been fortunate enough to have one side. I got 24 hours to pull off something. It's always been like that. Like, okay, now you do me a song. Um, Shouldn't have been fish was like done the very last day of the, of the, of the project. I did it. And, um, uh, credit cards on George's record. It's like, do something, do me something. It's like, I never even got a chance to even hear it down, you know. Well, it's just like a couple of hours of work. And, uh, but it's been useful because they've been on like, you know, some nice albums. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing I'm ultra proud of. Um, uh, satisfied probably probably was the most fun trying, but that was intended for George and I didn't even want me on the track. But it did did you get to meet or spend time with Prince? Yeah. Uh I just had this conversation with my ex. Uh, Prince came to the Beverly Theater. I was there by the way too. Yeah. And uh he was behind that curtain. And Greg Boyer walked up to me, and I thought he was trying to be funny because he walks up to me and he goes, Prince wants you. <laughs> you know, this guy is a superstar and he doesn't talk and he's got this whole thing. And I probably was one of the few in the group that dug him like that because it, it's just that, and I know what it was. It was, he was my generation. I didn't really have to listen to, like, you know, like Gary and them are like five years older than me. Gary and Boog and those cats. Eddie probably was five or six years older. 
You know, it was it's kind of like, or maybe ten, who knows? But they were all older than me, and for me, Prince was like, and you could hear everything that was his influence because if you were like born that year and lived in those years, you heard the same sound. So it wasn't like he was surprising me, but I was, I was charmed that he used the aesthetics of that time that he grew up with and turned it into a thing. So, uh, I, I met him first time was in St. Paul. He wasn't signed yet, but one of the cast that was working the show that we did in St. Paul was that guy, um, uh, Husney. Uh, and, um, they were dropping the, kind of dropping the bad news on George that that the spanking, the electric spanking thing wasn't going to be panning out too well. He brought that guy, he brought Prince with him. And I was in like in the back in the dressing room and then, uh, you know, just this guy standing there and he said, uh, he said, uh, but this is your 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 room, and I said, yeah. He said, what? Nobody nobody else get in here past you. I said, nobody getting in past me. I decide who comes in. He was like, cool. And uh, then you know when he when he got got to be on his first time in L.A. We walked uh, Blackbird and myself. We met down at the, this, this skating rink called Flippers. Oh yeah. Los Angeles. Yeah. And so we walk we go to Flippers to go see Prince, you know. And we're standing out there in the parking lot because we don't know. We're looking at the scene. And this this white station wagon shows up. And it's like I spot it. It's like Prince is in the back. Like crunched up in the back like I do. He was just and they rolled up in the back of Flippers and they got out. And um what's his name? Uh, Andre Simone came out and actually like spoke to us and called us by name. This is like, you know, Prince is brand new. The whole thing is brand new. And he goes, hey, Clip, hey, hey, Blackbird. And we look at each other like, wow, they know our name. And it's like, oh, yeah, man, we've been listening to you guys. And yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, wow, this is really cool. And, um, What in '81 he showed up at Beverly Theater, and I was kind of young and married, and I had a kind of like that kind of Kurt and Courtney kind of marriage going on. You know what I mean? We were <laughs> and my, I just remember him asking for me, and, and then I walked over there to him and. And I said, hey, you want to, you know, you want to hook up? And he said, yeah, you want to play? And he said, oh, no, I just came to see what the noise was all about. And now I'm actually hearing words out of his mouth because everybody said, you don't talk to anybody. I'm like, oh, wow. And he said, but I want to talk to you. Now, I never got a chance to hear what it was. I told him that during Maggie Brain, we would meet down in the basement. I remember George being in the room. Charlie Wilson was there. And a bunch of people were like, there and Prince who was like kind of like on the unknown thing and the untouched 
untouchable kind of thing. Standing there, and I want to walk up to him. And my wife at the time, she walks up and she goes, Clip, tell him to give you an autograph for my cousins. And I go, hold down for a minute. Like, don't, you know, because I really want to hear what this guy's got to say. And she's going all over my back. She's going, you can see her head going, what? He could sign an autograph. I said, what? You know, hold down for a second. And then out of nowhere, she says, oh, F him, little punk bitch. He ain't got as much talent as you, Clip. Clip got more talent than you. And I'm looking around like, what? <laughs> and this, this dude just stood there and looked at me and went like, is that your woman? I said, ah. Uh, uh. Well, <laughs> that was the end of that. Years later, uh, you know, we got over there to a Paisley, and you know, you just see him. He's a very dashing dude uh, through his place, and we're sitting there in like the commissary. So you know, you get to say hey, and then you think that maybe I don't even know, and. One year, they had us come to Paisley to do four shows. It was Blackbird, myself, may have been Boogie, and Peanut, Boogie, Peanut, and Gary. And then Prince Band was what, what whatever was getting ready to be his new thing we all jammed Michael Beard and all them cats and we played and I just did willy nilly a version of um, Let's Get Satisfied which hadn't been recorded yet and they told us that Prince was going to be at one of these shows they gave us rules on like what not to do if when you get around like you know don't stand close don't crowd him don't do any of these things and um uh, I just remember, man, this is the funniest. I remember uh, I get to this part where I'm doing Let's Get Satisfied, and all of a sudden Prince shows up, right? Now, Prince has showed up. I'm in the middle of my song. Apparently, he's liking it because he's going to stand up on the stage with me. He walks out there to go do his thing on the keyboard, and Gary Scheider grabs him by the, he's wearing he's wearing virgin white he's got new hairdo i've never seen before you know he's wearing virgin white for uh like white cashmere virgin white pants cashmere just some ultra sharp stuff right gary shannon's out there sweaty in the diaper man <laughs> he grabbed prince in a headlock <laughs> Come on, sing, brother, sing. And the <laughs> And I think we saw every bit of a minute 40 friends. <laughs> but then I got satisfied there was a, a track that Foley had done at uh up there for George. And I decided to 
to do satisfied over it, thinking that I was doing it for George. And we did it. Really, I wanted Bootsy or Maceo to do this song. And Maceo, who was there, wanted to be more diplomatic. He wanted a thing where he said, I know you, you know, you want me to do the song, but it would be even nicer if he could do it with uh, uh, Eric Leeds and Atlanta mm -hmm. Bliss. And then there was the J, the, what was the JBs. So it was like the old new JBs all in one bunch. That, that's what I like about that song, right? And that was all us just like, let's be cool about this and make friends. That's, that's all, this is about shaking hands. And, and um, then, then it turned out that uh, Prince was listening to us do it. So he had them send the slab over to him. I had a friend, um, this French guy who worked for Controversy Music, who had heard Prince messing with the song. And he sent me a tape. I hate that I lost this tape, but it had about 15 different versions of Prince flowing with the song, playing the organ solos all over it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then when it was time for the song to come out, and they had the song prepared to be on the Prince Big Independence Day um, special on ABC. I didn't attend. I was in France. And the song had my voice blaring across it. And Prince had made this mix. So the TV mix ended up getting uh, US Custom Coast Guard Dope Dogs. I missed my whole thing with Prince. And then, uh, so I just went, okay. Well, fast forward. Prince sends over some new slabs years later, which was a uh, soul psychedelic side. Mm -hmm. So, Amp and myself, we're actually, they, they sent the tapes and we're doing a lot of stuff over. Like, they want us to overdub, like, new drum licks and stuff like that for him. And uh, I'm still going wild. The whole time I haven't like had my my time with Prince, you know? Like, to me, it was like a disappointment. Like, I was not having my time with Prince. And, came, uh, so came so close. Yeah. And uh, then one day, we played uh, this, this, this club called WWF in New York City. And it was a great show. The whole nine, it was a great show. And going to walk out of the place thinking that, hey, the show's over. We already killed him. And it looks like nobody's leaving. And I look over, and it's Prince. And he's walking past me, and he goes, Clip Payne. I'm like, hey. And he walks back. And that was like my... My my, I had a, a zillion of those kinds of moments with him, but it was like never. It was always missed. It was never, but some kind of way, 
I always felt good about it because it's like we're coming from the same ilk, not never like trying to make a thing out of it. I respect it. Michael Jackson and Prince would have been my age. Like I managed to have like my bad habits right there in your face, and they managed to to mask them and masking that killed them. So, um, well, you know, back in '82, I spent some time with Bootsy, mm-hmm. and even then, he he was saying that to him at that time, Prince was the only one out there that was really doing something different. Right. Yeah. It was a, you know, he had a different choke on the guitar. Uh, I thought, uh, you know, like he's no Eddie Hazel and he's no Catfish. He's no Catfish or Gary for me. But he got a little, it's a choke. And it's, how about whatever it wasn't, it was his choke. And that's what was cool about it. It was like, you know, you see these cats and they all, the, the, we all gonna try to emulate what we heard on Sex Machine, and we only think that it goes that way. And this dude kind of had his own way of with his telly doing his thing, and you could call it, eh. yeah, because he he was how about he was recouping, he was recouping on those records, um, and not and trying. He was really doing a business, you know. He was really doing business and. Most people in my generation was like, you know, we didn't have balls like that, dude. So, uh, well, I mean, to me, I've always felt like George Clinton and Prince, both unafraid to just try shit out. Yeah, you got to be, you so got to be rebels wild, right out. You know, yeah, you got to be rebels so right out the right out the box. You can't. That's not an acquired thing. You either that or you're not. You know what I mean? They got that. <clears throat> George has is, is got he's got the the relentless I will always be somewhere present and relevant in your face even if you don't see me you will hear it and I always and how, how about most times if you look at Funkadelic and all that stuff most, most of that you didn't like it straight off the top but once you listen in, oh yeah, yeah, it actually took you more time. It gets it's in there, more time. you know, because a pop record you learn it fast, and you hate it fast. Like yep. you know, it don't, it won't stay. But you find one of the ones that make you listen in. I love people when they don't get the words right. <laughs> you know what I mean? You got an audience that's singing all the wrong words, so you know that one's gonna last for a while. You know, it's gonna take them a minute of just. They singing whatever it is that makes them feel good about the thing, you know. I just did this show, um, and I didn't realize how many people didn't know the words to "I Can't Get No Satisfaction," and they were of that age. You know what I mean? It's like it's like they love the song, they grew up with the song, and uh, but when it really like comes down to it, not singing the right words, and it's like that with with P Funk. It's like people who loved it don't get the story at all. They get whatever it is they get about it. I'm just an observer from the corner of the room on most of this stuff. Like, hey, man, that's, you know, that's to me, that's A&R. 
definitely huge. Well, it touch it touches you or hits you on so many different levels, like you said. Yeah. L- repeated listenings, man, because there's so much going on, and yeah. it's got uh, a life. And talking to Jim Vinny too, uh, telling me about like the way those studio sessions were, you know, and yeah, trying to make sense of all that and getting all the pieces in the right place. Yeah, incredible. And he, 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 uh, he was very the way uh, 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 Jim did it too is is kind of like I used to watch his process because you put everything in the place where it's supposed to be. And he was always like very clear that George was gonna come and kind of deconstruct whatever it is, some kind of way, because George is hearing a vision and will be like, no, but put that way here. Okay. Now we gotta think about the song another way. But he's got all his components that he can. I I know that there's some versions of of uh, One Nation Under Group that like all the parts are there, but you can play that and not get one rise out of it. Something about something that that dude knew some stuff. You know, he knew some he knew some some tricks. He had some tricks. Funny when I talked to George, so when I I was surprised when I found out that like the banjo was kind of an accident. You know, okay. It, I, it was like this: the banjo. I remember the, the the banjo. This guy, somebody said, like, "Hey, my buddy's coming through with a banjo. He's playing up in uh, in Ypsilanti or Ann Arbor. It was one of those two places." And uh, I think it was Icapelli's friend. And you know, oh, bring him down. Okay, cool. Just the dude comes in there. And does the part now? And here's the funny. Speaking of that banjo, I love the fact that that thing is just banjo based. It's not based on the banjo, but it's very like when you listen into the thing, the banjo probably is like the biggest thing in. But nobody who ever really responded like, "Wow, that cool ass banjo." And then you watch people, you know your smart musicians trying to make a big deal out of like which chord and which part going on. It's like, uh, really, you guys are trying to, you got these strats and these things in your hand and it's all banjo. It's, it's you know, uh, One Nation in the group. Do, 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 that one. Gary, that was Gary and the banjo until you started getting solos and stuff like that. And I, I can't remember what that guy's name was. Matter of fact, I don't even remember if I ever knew. But he came through like, you know, he came in. There you go again. You came, dude walked in, you got talent, you know. And uh, Patangelo, we knew. You know, he came through with like, he just had stuff in the room, you know, seeds in a bottle, hula hoops and all kinds of stuff. And and then from that point, it was like, this song's got 
legs with those parts, you're in the band. Let's go. You know what I mean? I think I wanted to uh, mention, Cliff, I think what people really responded to, longtime fans, was the stuff you did on your own, like drugs and 420, yeah. really going back and, yeah. and keeping that funkadelic. Um, well, that's the brand to me, and that's the that's the era that I like, and that's the era and the aesthetic that I know. Aesthetic is what I want, yeah. Yeah, it, it, that's the one that I know, and you know, and my my buddy, my my, my writing partner, uh, Chicken, Robert Burke. He calls himself Bobby Burke, but Bobby Burke. Um, you know, I. I played in his band. He had a band called Chicken and Superstars. And uh, I really enjoyed the guitar player that was in his band. It was Adam Whittaw. And I wanted to do something with that guy really, really bad. And uh, and I told Chicken, I, I want to do something. You know, let's do something. Because we were doing, like, chicken songs. And, and uh He took me in the room. He goes like, he plays some stuff, and he goes, "This is some stuff I'm doing in this little room, and like it don't fly." And I'm going, "This is some groovy stuff." And he's saying like, "It's going over everybody's head." He's like, "Maybe you'll know what to do with it." And I'm like, "I got this," you know what I mean? And it was kind of like, I called Gary, I called George. We went up into like a, we got a little. Uh, thing we call it unit five it was up in the hills nobody was out there snow and one cow you know uh, some two horses over on this side and some snakes and we knew we would get in there and lock in we had a uh, a coal stove and just and we were like borrowing somebody's electricity from another part of the building and we cut that out like yeah that uh, um and actually, we never could get back. We we cut another record, but we never could get the spirit. Like there was, you know, all this losing people. Being the people that have left us. There you go. Especially the past ten years. Yeah. Yeah, because I got one. I just did one, and it was like a it was a drugs thing that we had, and it was going to feature Belita and. Gary and uh, so we still got to figure out a way I, how to approach it, but really good. We had all of, actually the second album ready, but, but not we didn't have Gary on it, we didn't have, and the aesthetic was a little different, but no, the aesthetic is the same. It's just missing some people. And when you get to mourning, like that, you know, when you get to mourning your band members, man, that's what I'm saying. Like, people ask the question, like, you know, you got any advice? It's like, I don't know, maybe love love who you with right now because they may not be there. Uh, and that's the funk, too. I mean, you know what I mean? My first... About a year and a half, it was like, and Glenn's dead. Uh, now you have to watch 
the people that you're with, they, and they all got to answer like like they knew Glenn's sickness and Glenn's story, and then I look at it and it's like Glenn's. Like there's another album I heard another album that that was either Quasar or Mutiny that's not the one that I hear. Is that the one they cut originally? Glenn played me Glenn played me some stuff that I wonder where those tapes are. Really, really good. But it was definitely Glenn sounding. It wasn't P Funk sounding, it was more what whatever Glenn was presenting. You know what I mean? Like Glenn was a it's funny for me because I listen to people and they just go into this Glenn thing and yeah, when Glenn showed up, yeah, Glenn rocked it. When Jerome showed up, Jerome showed up. But I don't think none I don't think even like like Boosie probably of all like out of the hit records Boosie is a good 50-60% of the grooviness about it but but when without the 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 different kinds of formulas that, that the doctor adds to it even Boosie don't sound like the Boosie that we know as the boozy aesthetic, like other than the ooh, I don't get the boozy thing now, but I love, I mean, I love what comes out. And I kind of love the fact that, well, I, I don't like the fact that he, I, I wish, I wish he could have, no. He did well because he probably, just like any other rock star, probably would have crashed and burned. When he you took know? his break. Yeah, when you, when you just step off. It was like it was, it was a disappointment for a generation, but it was the man saving himself, and I got to dig that. You can't help but dig that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, and then another thing that I heard, was just like the whole drug thing. The drug thing is a drug thing is not a drug thing. Like like to me that this is like right now, like we watch entertainers and we can't wait for them to do something wrong so we can just get more rating points ourselves, get more views. To, okay. You know what I mean? It's that it's kinda like you It's the it never none of that's never changed. I think that all that applies when <clears throat> we let you feel safe, but we need you to be off your mark. You may get a habit of partying too much, um, but I think some of it is just structured from from people who do business you know let's crush them let's introduce them to some chick who says you know uh, you know i'll marry and bury you i won't blow you until you smoke a little bit of this 
Okay. Ah. That that actually is a thing. Like in a, one of my jobs with P Punk was to be a janitor. Sometimes it was a really it could get sloppy. And some people wanted to, to talk about it a lot. I am the the guilty guy who was standing there higher than everybody because it was like I was the least important. And if you want to blame somebody for it, blame me and stay out of the dressing room of the people. So and then I was well with the rep because the day that I stepped back up and went, okay, we're finished. You know, you can't you can't even imagine how many mugs are not happy when you're happy. Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's that's rock and roll, rock and roll. You know. I had a guy in Chicago, he tell me, oh, man, it's good seeing you clean. You know, I see you with your kids and your son and everything. And it's like, you know, really proud of you. I'm like, oh, thank you, bro. I really don't have nothing to talk about. But it's like, thank you. And then my son says something to me, and I go over this way. And when I come back, there's a finger right here in my face. Hey, wait a minute, dude, you just gave the speech. <laughs> You just gave me a speech on on your, you know. I wish I had a baseball bat. You know what I mean? But that's rock and roll. You know. Uh, And like I say, the ones that are very guard, that you keep guarded, look at what they resorted to. Like something deeper than the regular old party drugs of the popular in the day drugs this is some stuff that is sure to get somebody back the catalog that they, that the corpus been missing 